Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20. We'll jump right into the sermon right now. Exodus chapter 20. And can you hear me okay? We, we all good? Okay, because I had my microphone here and just want to make sure you, you hear me. Uh, we're, we're talking about freedom, how to be free. The story of the Exodus is really about God rescuing the people out of slavery in Egypt and freeing them, bringing them to freedom, bringing them to the, to the promised land. And that is a paradigm that becomes a dominant picture, the dominant metaphor for really the whole storyline because you and I are in bondage. You and I are like the Israelites. We're in slavery, obviously not in Egypt, but we all have our Egypt going on, don't we? Where we're in slavery to something. And God wants to free us and rescue us and take us to the promised land. And, and so really the story of Exodus is all about freedom, how, how we can be free from the, the, the bondage and the things that, that bind us. Now the interesting thing, if you remember the story, God brings the Israelites out of slavery. He frees them. Then he brings them to Mount Sinai. And what does he do? He gives them the law. He gives them the ten commandments. He gives them rules. And you might be thinking, really? And maybe they were thinking, really? Rules? God, we have been slaves for centuries now. We're finally free. We want to do whatever we want to do. Free. We're free. And now you're going to lay down the law. You're going to give us rules. Don't rules take away our freedom? Don't, don't rules make us unhappy? But God says, no, no, no. I'm giving you these ten commandments. I'm giving you these rules because I want you to live in a way that's truly free and truly happy. What I want you to see today is this. Morality makes you happy. Morality makes you happy. The only way to really be free and to, and to really be happy is to be a good and moral person. If you stay enslaved to your drives and desires and if you feel you have to say yes to everything that comes along and every opportunity that might present himself you think that that is what freedom is but it will enslave you you have got to learn how to say no you can't be happy if you can't say no morality being a truly good person is where the freedom is where the happiness is. We're going to unpack this as we go along. And I tell you what, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read Exodus 20. I was planning on reading 17 verses in Exodus 20. I encourage you to do that on your own. But let's just put the Ten Commandments up on the screen here and let's say them together. This comes right out of Exodus 20. Okay? Let's say the Ten Commandments together. Here we go. Have no gods before me. Have no idols. Don't misuse God's name. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not covet. These are the Ten Commandments. And many of us memorized these in, in Sunday school when we were little kids. And if, and if you don't have them memorized, I encourage you to, to just start going through them and, and, and re-memorize them. This, uh, you know, thank you for the sabbatical that I had. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks ago now when I got back, but I was off for a one-month sabbatical. And, and one of the, the books that I read during my sabbatical was a commentary on the book of Exodus by Dennis Prager. You may have heard of him. Dennis Prager is a Jew, and, and he, uh, he has a, a talk show, radio program, 
across the, the world, really, and, uh, and he has Prager University, and he is a Jew, a believing Jew, believes in God, believes in the, the Torah uh, and, and the Old Testament. He's not a Christian, but a Jew. And, and he just shares some fascinating insights about the Ten Commandments, and I want to share them with you this morning, just kind of highlight some things. Number one, and this is on your outline if you're following along there, that he says, God, not Moses or anyone else, gave us the Ten Commandments. God, it's not just Moses, it's not anyone else gave us the Ten Commandments. God did. Notice verse 1. God spoke all these words. Words. Exodus 20, verse 1. God spoke all these words. The Torah makes it very clear that, that, that it is God who gave us the Ten Commandments. These are not just man-made thoughts. These are from God. A second observation. The Ten Commandments are unique. This is the only example of a God making a covenant with a whole group of people. God speaks not just to Moses, not just to one man. He speaks to all the people. Everyone heard God speak these Ten Commandments. And, and maybe you didn't even quite realize this, but, but Moses actually goes up on the mountain and speaks with God several times, at least three different times. And, and, and on, on this occasion here, God actually speaks the Ten Commandments to everyone who's present, all of Israel. That's why in verse 20, verse 19, they're afraid, and they say to Moses, speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. They were hearing God's voice, and they said, we can't take this anymore. We don't, we don't want to hear the God's voice anymore. You know, sometimes I think you and I can get feeling so friendly with God, you know. God's my buddy. God's my chum. Hey, how you doing, God? And, and, and yet they're, they're saying, God is so holy. God is so awesome. We can't even hear his voice. The Ten Commandments are, are unique. And then Dennis Prager, he makes another point. He says the Ten Commandments reveal absolute morality. The Ten Commandments reveal absolute morality. These are, these are the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. It's the Ten Commandments. They're given by a God who created us, who designed us, and he has woven his character, his morality into the universe. And it's woven into you and me. So these commandments are not optional. They're not just nice things you might want to consider if it kind of feels right to you. You, you can't just like pick and choose like, okay, well, you know, I like 2.6, but I don't like 7 and 9. No, no, no. If you break these commandments, they will break you. See, no one really breaks God's commandments. You break yourself on God's commandments. For example, when you worship an idol, something other than God, you know, that's the first commandment, right? Have no idols. You know, have no other gods before me. Have no idols. It, what's, he, what's he mean by that? You say, well, Greg, I don't, I don't have any idols. Yes, you do. An idol is just something that you value so much, and it's like highest priority in your life. And you just, you just like worship this thing. That's your idol. And so what are idols today? Many, many people today, many women today, girls are brought up to, to worship their beauty. Or guys, their strength. Or girls or guys, maybe it's their intelligence and how well they can do at school. If you worship, if you make an idol out of your beauty or out of your strength or out of your intelligence, it will eat you alive. Because there's always somebody around more beautiful, a bit stronger, more intelligent. And what will you do as you begin to age and you lose your beauty and you lose your strength 
and you even lose some of your intelligence. Just try, just try breaking the other commandments, stealing, murder, adultery. See how it works out for you. Even if you get away with it, maybe, maybe, maybe you lied, maybe you stole, and you think, ha, I got away with it. Not really, because it degrades you and devalues you. And even though nobody else knows about it, you do, and it somehow makes you less human and less free. Now, I, I realize that many people don't believe in absolute morality anymore. I bet some of you sitting here right now, even though you'd say you're a Christian and you're sitting in church right now, you really don't believe in absolute morality either because you have been brainwashed by our culture, our relativistic culture. Hey, everything's relative. Morality is just relative. Hey, what's right for me might not be right for you. Who's to say what's right or wrong? We are bombarded with this kind of thinking. You might even say, but Greg, what about this situation? And what about that situation? And you're right. Listen, listen, this is so important. Do not confuse absolute morality with situational ethics. In fact, if you believe in absolute morality, then you also believe in situational ethics. Because what that simply means is that this absolute morality must be applied to specific situations. And sometimes it's hard to know exactly what is the right thing to do in a certain situation. But that does not mean that there's no such thing as absolute morality. For example, moral absolutes simply mean that there is objective, real, moral truth that transcends anybody's opinion. Moral relativism says the opposite. Moral relativism says that morality is not universal or objective. It's just subjective. It's, morality is just whatever you think is right or whatever your particular culture says is right. But those, that, that's different than situational ethics. It's not the same as moral relativism. Situational ethics simply means that sometimes we need to know the situation in order to apply the absolute moral truth in a correct way. For example, take lying. Lying is wrong, right? Thou shalt not give false testimony. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be an honest person. You're supposed to tell the truth. We're not to lie. But yet, there are a couple of places in the Bible that's quite interesting. For example, read Exodus 1. The king of Egypt wanted to kill all the Hebrew baby boys. Remember the story? Pharaoh said, hey, these Hebrews, they're getting out of hand. They're starting to overrun our country. We want you to kill all the baby boys. And so he calls in these, these midwives, these, these nurses, and they say, whenever you help a mother deliver a baby, look right away, and if it's a baby boy, we want you to kill it. Just kill it right away. And, and, but, but then we're told that, that they refused to do that. In, in Exodus 1, verse 17, it says that these midwives, they feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. You see, you and I, our first priority is to fear God before we fear anything else. We are to obey God rather than anybody else. We've got to obey God first. And so what did they do? They, they disobeyed, it was civil disobedience, they disobeyed the, the king. Well, the king finds out about it. He calls them in, and, and he says, hey, why, why are you disobeying me? I, I told you to, to kill these babies, and so what did these midwives do? They, they say, well, the Hebrew women are so vigorous that they give birth before we can get there. Yeah, right. What are they doing? They're exaggerating. They're deceiving. They're lying, right? 
They're basically lying. Why did they lie? Because they feared God. They obeyed God rather than the king. They lied in order to save babies. And verse 21 says that God blessed them with their own families because they feared him instead of the king. Listen, this might shock you. Sometimes lying is the moral thing to do. If you have to lie to save babies, then lie. Remember Rahab, the prostitute, over in Joshua chapter 2? Two Israelite spies are coming into Jericho to, to check out the situation. And soldiers find out about there's two spies around here somewhere, and they come searching for them, and Rahab hides these two spies in her home. And the soldiers come to her door, and they say, hey, are you, where are these spies? And she said, oh, they were here, but they left. They left, and I don't know where they went. She lied because she's hiding them right here. And God rewards her for protecting the spies. Now, Dennis Prager, being a Jew, he refers to World War II. Remember the 1930s, the 1940s? Not that long ago, folks. It's scary when you think about this, how Hitler in Germany was killing many of the Jewish people. He just hated the Jewish people, killing them, murdering them, millions of them. And you know, many Christians risk their own families, risk their own lives by hiding Jewish people in their homes to protect them. And when the Nazis came to their door and said, are you hiding Jewish people here? No, no, not hiding anybody here. They lied in order to save Jewish lives. That was a noble thing. That was a righteous thing, a moral thing to do. You see, sometimes it is moral to lie to a murderer in order to save innocent lives. Now, this doesn't mean morality is relative and you can just do whatever you want. No, no, no. Lying is almost always wrong because most of the time we lie for our own advantage. And we're just trying to hurt other people. See, what God wants is us to be deeply moral, good, honest people who love others and love Him so much that we will do nothing or say nothing that harms other people. So there's an absolute morality that comes from the character of God Himself. And, and when we break His moral laws, we actually break ourselves. Now, we can debate exactly how do we apply his absolute morality in this situation or that situation. And sometimes it gets confusing about what is really the moral right thing to do. But think about it. If there is no absolute morality, then why even debate the situation? If there is no moral absolute, then who cares? Just do whatever you want. The fact that we even debate about morality means that there is a real, true, objective morality. There are four key characteristics of the Ten Commandments that I want to just share with you quickly. Four key characteristics. It's, I find this very interesting. Notice that they are specific and not abstract. God could have just said very shortly and briefly, hey, be a good person. See you later. He didn't. He took the time to outline ten specific commandments because God knows that you and I tend to think we're good people. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody's good. Everybody's basically good. Okay, if you push me a little bit, yeah, you know, I do lie. I, some I do, I do cheat and, you know, yeah, you know, I, I steal. I guess if you consider that stealing, yeah, I, I covet, you know. I, well, okay, 
adultery, you know, some sexual, you know, but, but I'm basically a, a good person. God doesn't let us get away with that. That's why he gets really specific. Another thing, notice that the commandments are mostly formulated in the negative. Eight of the ten commandments start off with, you shall not. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now, why is God so negative? You know, come on, God, eight of the ten are put in there. Think about it. One of the first rules for doctors is to do no harm, right? Doctors know this. When he or she is working on you, one of their first principles is to do no harm because sometimes you can become so eager and be so well-intentioned, i got to do whatever it takes to make you better that I accidentally do more harm to you. So i got to be careful. One of my first things is, is don't. I don't want to harm you. So God was really smart. Imagine that. To put these commandments in negative form. Think about this. Imagine how good our society would be if we simply stopped doing harm to each other. Just stop. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. That in itself would make our society a thousand times better. Don't you agree? Notice also that these Ten Commandments are framed as obligations, not rights. As obligations, not rights. God doesn't say, you know, you have the right to this and you have the right to that. No, he forms them as obligations. Don't do this. Don't do that. We're obsessed with our rights. We live in a culture obsessed. People are always demanding their rights. And, of course, we have rights. We're all created in the image of God. We all deserve to be, to be uh, affirmed and, and respected and, and have a sense of dignity and all that, of course. But, but think about this. If, if there is no God, if there is no absolute morality, a good God who created us, if all we are are accidents and, and evolved animals all by accident, if that's all we are, then what possible foundation can you have for rights and for morality and for dignity? How can you talk about rights and morality if all you are is an accidentally created, you know, evolved animal? See, only if there's a good and beautiful God does any of this make sense. Imagine how beautiful our world would be if people focused on their obligations rather than their rights. You are obligated to love your neighbor as yourself. You are obligated to not steal and not lie and, and not murder and not commit adultery. Just the other day, uh, I was reading about middle school girls, middle school girls, even high school girls, and, and boys too, but especially middle school girls, have an extremely high rate of anxiety and depression today. Sociologists are all over this, of, of how uh, more than ever before in our society, these middle school girls have an unbelievably high rate of depression and anxiety, and they're coming to a consensus. You know what the sociologists are saying? They're, they're saying a lot of this anxiety and a lot of the depression are coming today because of social media. Social media. And what they're discovering is that these middle school girls can oftentimes be so vicious towards one another, saying things, trying to harm one another, and all these little put-downs. And even, even things like, oh, look at this great party that we had. And then there's this other girl over here like, I thought I was your friend. How come I wasn't invited to that party? And it looks like you guys are having, and I feel so alone now. And, oh, you, you don't like me anymore. And... All, all of this kind of thing, and, and they're, they're, so, they're so filled with anxiety and, and such depression. Imagine, imagine if, if we were raising our children 
to not obsess so much about their rights and about their image and, and all of that. And, and what if we were all encouraging our children more and more to realize their obligation to do no harm, to love your neighbor as yourself, to, to, don't, to don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal, don't, don't put down others, don't covet. And, and because we, we can murder each other on Facebook. We can murder each other's sense of dignity and respect. And we steal from each other's reputations. What if we, what if we emphasized our obligations more like that? Wouldn't it be a better society? Notice also that these commandments are in the singular. The Hebrew word, you know, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, it's in the singular. Now, you think it would be in the plural, wouldn't you? Because God's speaking to everybody. Hey, I want you all. But no, it's you. And I think God meant this very specifically. You shall not. You shall not. You shall not. This is your obligation. This is a, maybe no one else is, is obeying me, but you. You. Specifically. You. One more thing. And Dennis Prager, he's, he's an amazing Jewish scholar, and I admire him, but he's a Jew, not a Christian. And so I have to tell you that, that I believe here's the most important thing about the Ten Commandments that, that Dennis Prager, being a Jew, can't tell you, but I can as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. Listen to this. The Ten Commandments humble us and drive us to Christ. This is the most important thing of all. The Ten Commandments, when you really look at it, they humble us and drive us to Christ. Remember when Jesus, what Jesus gave us with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7? He refers to the Ten Commandments there. And in Matthew 5, verse 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. He's talking about the Ten Commandments and all the rest of it. I've not come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus affirms the old covenant. He affirms the Ten Commandments. He says it's all good. It's from God. But what Jesus does is he, he takes those commandments and he intensifies them. He deepens them. He radicalizes them. Remember what he says? He says about murder, you know, the commandment, do not murder. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus says, it's not enough for you to go around and say, hey, I haven't murdered anybody lately. I'm a great guy. No, no, no. I don't want you to even be an angry person. I don't want you to be filled with bitterness and grudges and, and anger. I don't want you to be that guy or gal out, out there on the I-75 with road rage. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to be filled with, with peace and love. It's not enough just not to murder. I don't want you to even be angry. And, and, then, and then he takes the commandment about adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus says, you've heard it said. You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. And you and I and our society today, we go, come on, Jesus. Really? 
It's not enough to just not commit adultery. You're saying, I can't even look, stare, and enjoy not even a little pornography? Come on, Jesus. Not even a little imagination going on in my heart. See, when you look at what Jesus says about all these commandments, what he says in the Sermon on the Mount, and what God is really after, you and I are humbled into the dust. It condemns us, really. It just humbles us. Because who of us can say we've kept the Ten Commandments? Especially when you look at it the way Jesus does and apply it down into your heart, not just an external, you know, where people might say, oh, yeah, you look like a, a nice person. See, we're all condemned. We're all humbled into the dust. This is the bad news. We all, we all stand condemned by God's law. God's laws are good and right and moral, but when we see how far short we have fallen, God's laws condemn us. And, and Jesus tells us this, and the Apostle Paul tells us this, that we're all sinners. And we stand condemned. That's the bad news. But you know what the good news is? Here's the good news. The Apostle Paul, he's all over this. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? You and I, it's impossible to be justified by just trying hard to obey the Ten Commandments. Well, God, I got six out of ten. Is that good enough? Oh, well, you know, I slipped up here, but, you know, I'm doing pretty good over here. Is that good enough? No, it's not about you being good enough because you're not. And I'm not either. It's about Jesus. No person is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself perfectly fulfilled the Ten Commandments, lived the perfect life, fulfilled all the commandments, and then he died on the cross for your sin and mine. And he rose again to conquer sin and death. And he says, now trust in me. Trust in me. Receive my forgiveness. Receive my grace. I, by my Holy Spirit, will come and live inside of you. And I will renew you and I will restore you. And I will help you by grace to become a truly good and moral person. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to close by quoting the Apostle Paul. In Romans 13, in Romans 13, beginning in verse 8, Paul says this. And have your heads bowed and just, just receive this. Receive this word. Receive God's word right now. The Apostle Paul says this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, and then he, he, he quotes several of the Ten Commandments here. He says the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law.